Hey, everyone. It's Vanessa, and I'm here to talk to you about Noom. Noom is a personalized weight loss plan. It's not just one size fits all. It takes into account your dietary restrictions, your medical issues, and any other personal needs. It's like a psychology plan. Just it meets you where you are. And it also recognizes that losing weight is really a mental process. It starts with your motivation and with your brain. Noom's approach is also grounded in science. They've published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles that describe their methods and effectiveness. So stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. You can sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes. It's available to buy now wherever books are sold. Campsite Media. So it's the early 80s, and I'm sitting on the couch, eating life cereal, watching Saturday morning cartoons. In my memory, there's Looney Tunes, and then there's Super Friends, which is about a bunch of superheroes who are friends and, of course, solve crimes. And then an incredibly familiar sound comes on. All right, fans. Does it ever stop? No, no, no. Not in the World Wrestling Federation. And here we have a cast of characters. Wrestling. Not the Greek Olympics kind. It's sort of performance wrestling with costumes and storylines. And I am enraptured just watching a grown man striding up to the ring, rock music blasting, and screaming fans everywhere. They're holding signs. They're shouting with their mouths wide open. The guy in the ring, he has got long hair that's already matted into locks with sweat, and he's shirtless. Did I mention that he's muscular? His pecs and biceps actually look gargantuan, almost ridiculous. His skin is too tight. His muscles themselves are about to burst through the seams. And in the ring, this guy comes face to face with another shirtless man. The other guys, dressed in black spandex shorts, kind of like the ones worn by competitive cyclists, and he's got a black bandana tied around his head, which lets children like me know that he's the baddie the crowd immediately starts booing. And now the two men charge each other, fists at the ready, and thus begins the most dramatic fight I have ever seen. Or maybe it's a dance. Even as a kid, I'm not sure. Because the wrestlers are moving like elephantine ballet dancers, leaping over each other, using the ropes to catapult themselves in the air, and landing on various body parts in a way that must hurt. But they also seem to just be magically bouncing back. Blood is even pouring, and they just keep fighting, or dancing, using props like chairs, hammers, coming up with ever more daring moves, just whipping the crowd into a frenzy. I mean, this stuff was crazy. And then the camera zeroes in on one man. His name, actually, is Vince McMahon. 
He's the owner and co-founder of this wrestling empire, which delighted children across America and some adults too. But Vince McMahon would soon find himself in his own fight or dance, one that could end his career and maybe change his legacy forever. From Sony Music Entertainment and Campside Media, this is Infamous, and I'm Natalie Robomet. And I'm Vanessa Grigoriadis. This week, get ready to rumble because we have a pretty hard-hitting story for you. That's right, we're talking WWE or World Wrestling Entertainment. So the WWE is both a nostalgic and omnipresent force in culture. It's this tacky, brightly lit, quintessentially American export of theater and pantomime that has been around for decades and somehow never really gone away. It is crazy to me, but it's, you know, there's something about it that is just irresistible to some people, not everybody, but it's almost like the real housewives for straight men and children. But instead of fighting over glasses of rosé and aspen, you have oiled up guys that just hit each other with chairs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, the WWE has actually given us some really, really huge stars, like The Rock. The Rock. Yes, of course. And yeah, I have actually met and hung out with The Rock. Do you tell? Well, thankfully, I didn't have to like go and lift weights with him in a sweaty basement gym. Um, I just got to, (laughs) (laughs) I got to meet him at a soundstage in Atlanta. And then he drove me around in this giant pickup truck to a different soundstage. And, you know, he was very polite. And I mean, he's this huge guy. You know, he would be bursting out of his suit if his suit wasn't perfectly tailored for him. I was interviewing him because this particular year he'd made $124 million in one year. Oh, my God. He drove me around and pretended to care that um, I'd majored in music and English. And uh, we got to his trailer on the set of Jungle Cruise. Funnily enough, he actually talked a lot about wrestling. So I kind of asked him, how do you feel like your wrestling past has informed all these action roles that you're taking? Because he's now become a huge action movie star. And he told me he is basically constantly thinking about the audience. Mm. Top of mind for me is always audience. Yeah. And thinking, what does the audience want? It is full on, what does the audience want? And what is the best scenario that we can create that will send them home happy? Mm-hmm. He really believes in this kind of like shaking hands and converting everybody into a fan. And I think I saw that on set, you know, (laughs) I saw him dabbing up and befriending the photographer and the key grip. And yes, he's willing to do a video for this person's daughter because they're graduating college. And he talked about that in wrestling where he was like, you know, before I got to the major leagues, I was wrestling in flea markets and used car dealerships. And during intermission, I would go out and set up a table and I'd have a Polaroid and somebody would come up and say hi and he would take a Polaroid with them and then they'd give him five bucks and he'd sign and chat and really build this from the ground up fan base. And I think he's still doing that, obviously, on a much larger scale. Yeah. I mean, who is not a fan of The Rock? I feel like he's made America his fan. Exactly. I mean, as any movie industry person would tell you, he has four quadrant appeal. 
Oh, wait, what's four quadrants? He appeals to the four quadrants that are tracked at the cinema, which are male, female, over 25, and under 25. The rock, <laughs> everyone. The rock appeals okay. to everybody, you know. So I asked him, I, I think I made some comparison about like, look, Hollywood's crazy. <laughs> it's sort of a wild, wild west out here. But wrestling is also like that. And he was like, yeah, I come from a crazy world where you would bleed and use razor blades to cut your face to give the audience that show. And we're going to hear a lot about that in this episode because this episode is going to be more largely about wrestling. Uh, We actually have an insider here who we work with. His name is Anthony Puccillo. He has worked for HBO, TBS, and he was an assistant on Game of Thrones. And he also used to be a writer for the WWE. I mean, I guess it shouldn't surprise me that the WWE has writers. I mean, after all, it it is a huge multi-billion dollar media company. And what our story today is really about is the WWE's longtime owner and co-founder, Vince McMahon. So over the decades, Vince McMahon has survived a number of scandals from doping accusations to allegations of sexual assault until one fight last year that arguably led to a TKO that some never saw coming, his retirement. So Anthony is going to tell us all about that and what was really going on at WWE, from the fights to the dances and Vince McMahon's battle for survival. Vanessa is going to talk to him now. So Anthony, tell us who you are and how you got a job writing for the WWE. Sure. I mean, this is going to blow your mind. It's so <laughs> wild the way I got this job. It's not. I got it on over LinkedIn. Oh, it's seriously? Yes. They reached out over LinkedIn. What was your resume that they uh, You know, thought... I'll, I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know how they found me. Maybe just the word writer. They were just fishing around the bottom of the bin. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Writer. Writer. That was it. That was it. And I, what I happens? Never, a recruiter reaches out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bizarre... Experience like, did they? Is this an accident? What's happening here? I didn't know. Uh, so here's the thing to remember about WWE. I should say it is a very corporate organization. Mm-hmm. They're based in Stamford, Connecticut, which is basically one giant business park, very close to Manhattan. Very, very close. Yeah. yeah, just a train ride away. But it's you know it's the home of like UBS and these giant you know global banks. Yeah. Right. And then WWE. Paint a picture of your, you get there for the first day. What is it like? Well, before I got there for the first day, I watched some, they sent me a YouTube video of the culture at WWE, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that the writer's room, everybody was wearing a suit. (laughs) And it was just so utterly bizarre. And I, and I'd wonder, I I asked him, I said, so for the interview, is it, is the expectation that I should wear a full suit? And I said, oh yeah. (laughs) But why would the writers have to wear the suit? The writers are always the scrubs who are that's right. in the Nirvana t-shirt. Slobs like, covered right. in lunch. You know, yeah. that's that's Cheeto what it is. powder on your fingers. Sure. But you've got to be a gentleman well, if you're going to write for wrestling. Well, I think, and it was never laid out to me explicitly, but really Vince built the whole operation in his image. Mm. And he wears his character that he Mm -hmm. played on TV for decades. You know, he kind of swaggers around in this Mm -hmm. big, bulky 90s suit. 
But I think he wants people to feel in the writer's room as if they are channeling some of that, perhaps. Mm. Or he likes the operation to feel a little bit like a hedge fund. And so you were flown across the country I was flown across. And keep in mind, I'm a scrub writer. (laughs) I don't think I was working at the time. That's why I was, you know, I was, uh, hey, let's go. This sounds thrilling. (laughs) I'm getting flown, put up in a hotel. It was, um, yeah, it was thrilling. So you stay in like the Radisson or something. Exactly. Boom, in the morning, you got you put on your suit, your blue suit <laughs> with the pinstripes, and you walk into, I assume it's an office park, right? Oh, it sure is. And 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 then what? If anybody's driven down, up or down 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Connecticut. In Connecticut, yeah. right outside of New York, you've probably noticed this giant black box mm-hmm. with the WWE pirate flag waving right off the highway. It's called, uh, or it was called, Titan Towers. Yeah. So you go into this iconic black box but inside you know it's very corporate it's you know right. it's pretty sterile it's just like gray cubicles and you're ushered into a conference room you have a, a meeting with a couple of writers because there's in WWE there's Monday Night Raw and then there's Tuesday Night Smackdown and Raw is just such a gross term for like what just like raw meat hitting each other or like <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> it's you know it's raw Raw, uh, yeah. uncut, right. uh, you know, aggression, <laughs> raw emotion. Their tagline for many years during the Attitude Era, which yeah. was like the Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, when it really blew up into mainstream pop culture, was Raw is War. <laughs> that even makes less sense, but okay. <laughs> so, all right, and they want you to pitch. And you're like, here's the deal. Hulk Hogan's going to use a folding chair to smack down junkyard dog in the forehead. You're getting to the core of the creative here. So in the writer's room, they really don't ask you to pitch moves like that. There are choreographers for that. The people who pitch the actual action, the choreography, the dance of Mm -hmm. wrestling, those are former wrestlers. I like that you're using the phrase dances. Let's just cut to the chase. This is nothing to do. This is a choreographed dance. It is. This is not... (laughs) These men and women are dancers. Yeah, They're yeah, phenomenal yeah, yeah, yeah. dancers. Dancers, yeah. actors, comedians. Totally. It's like capoeira or something. It is. It should become a workout. <laughs> Pro wrestling is a workout. So, okay. So you go in and so what do they want you to say in this interview? I'd been a fan kind of pre-puberty. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I had a long winter away, yeah. <laughs> away from the game. And then I yes. came to it. And I think there's no, there's no bullshitting the pros when it comes to how much you know or don't know. There's too much canon. There's no way you're going to get by if you're trying to skate through it. So I was really upfront about, you know, I was going to bring in a fresh perspective on it. They do look for that. Right. There are people who come in from Sons of Anarchy or Family Guy even. It's all over from from The Bachelor who don't know anything about wrestling. And what does somebody from The Bachelor bring in? Like a love plot line? Oh, come on. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, pro wrestling at its best has the soap opera elements. Right. Yeah, it's a reality show. These are the trickiest storylines to pull off. And the the talent, the the superstars, as they're called, the pro wrestlers, the sports entertainers, when they're their most vulnerable, those are the best stories when they bring in their real life stories. Oh, do they actually do that? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. I just assumed it was all fake, just like the dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the dancing is very real, too. When they hit those mats, they know how to hit them just right, but they're still hitting them. Right. You think they're still getting messed up. Oh, absolutely. It's a very physically taxing sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're jumping from the third rope onto that canvas, it's got plywood right underneath for extra sound. You know, that 
That hurts, yeah. but they, they're pros. They know how to land just right. But it doesn't always happen just right. Mm-hmm. When you get hit with a chair in the back, you know, it's and I don't even know how they do this. I worked there. Yeah. But there are some ways that they call it. They call it gimmicking. They're like sailors. They have this whole lexicon. If somebody gets hit with a guitar, for example, mm-hmm. it's a gimmicked guitar, so it'll be hollow. So there are ways, you know, to, you know, the movie magic of mm-hmm. pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. But you're still getting hit with a hollow guitar. Right. I wouldn't want to get hit with a hollow guitar <laughs> any day of the week, any time. Right. It's not like an exploding guitar that disappears when you yeah. when you hit somebody with it. So what were your plot lines? So there's a huge team. Everybody really works. It's all collaborative for mm-hmm. the most part. You're coming up with the the long gestating, long-term storytelling that all builds up to a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. The pay-per-view or the 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 matches that you have to pay special for, you have to have the WWE Network. You don't just watch those on Fox or on USA. Right. Those happen on a Saturday or a Sunday once every five to six weeks. So you build the storylines to lead up to this big money match, WrestleMania, which happens once a year. So, right. the, so you're building the storylines, but you're also writing the dialogue. What was one of the storylines you worked on? Okay, a storyline that I worked on, this was, a, I think, a famously shat-on storyline. <laughs> By other people who thought you did a bad job? By, Is that what you mean? Or by like, what? people watching the program, by the fans, <laughs> uh, and certainly by my coworkers. Uh, it was a storyline where Roman Reigns, who was the big face of the company, who is the big face of the company. They call him now, I think, the the tribal chief. Mm-hmm. And, his, and his line is, you know, this is the kind of stuff we wrote. His line is at the end of whatever he does or says, he's, acknowledge me. <laughs> acknowledge me. It would really always resonate with the audience in the arena. You know, somebody says, get these hands. <laughs> Everybody, in the, as soon as they start to, you know, they get their body in a certain position, you know they're about to say it. The whole arena says it with them. Let me tell you, the simple stuff works. Yeah. But yeah, this storyline was just, there was a mystery element to this storyline. And I certainly didn't write it by myself. Don't let me try and take credit for this terrible storyline. <laughs> but there was scaffolding. Mm-hmm. There was scaffolding that another character had used a kind of a little trolley, like a little like mini caterpillar thing backstage mm-hmm. to knock over this scaffolding on this other character, Actually, Roman here Reigns. He is. Wait, 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 Roman, watch out, watch out! Ro- Ro- ah! Oh my God! Ouch, yeah. And it's whoosh, you see it. You see the scaffolding about to drop on him. It falls on him. You know, it doesn't really fall on him, but it falls on him. And then they were trying to figure out for weeks who did it. Right. And there was, you know, so it was, and, and the who done it really, I can't say that we executed it. So the who done it of who dropped the scaffolding on Roman Reigns. And right. then on and this sometimes happens in WWE. They never solved it. It just mm-hmm. went away. And like the, the storyline changed and it pivoted and there was so much going on and they changed the story before, you know, we're doing five hours of wrestling a week and there's so much volume. I'm not saying this is how it should be done, mm-hmm. but we were able to just kind of pivot out of it and just left it. Still to this day. <laughs> Nobody knows. But that was an actually an interesting one just to give you a little insight on Vince. Mm-hmm. That was one where he, apparently, I didn't see it myself, where he apparently, the scaffolding, he did it himself. He took the he let the scaffolding fall on him before when we were all doing rehearsals. Why? Just because he wanted to? Because it was a little bit of a scary stunt. He, yeah, it was a scary stunt. I mean, none of it hit. None of it. So he wanted to make sure that the scaffolding actually, because the the wrestler had been lying at a cert, had been lying such that the the scaffolding wouldn't actually fully smack him. Mm. 
And it didn't look necessarily like he says a big. You got to take a leap of faith that that's going to work. But Vince, right. like, oh, drop it on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. they do it, and everyone's terrified <laughs> because he's the. You know, and then it works, and he says, "Let's do it again. I want to make sure." <gasps> oh my god! But he's famous for doing doing stunts before the the talent does them. Okay, well that's good. He puts some, his money where his mouth is. Sure. I mean, you can psychoanalyze why. I can take it. You can take it. <laughs> The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town. To The Swan, where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, Comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flap looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. It all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. All the meals are chef-crafted, dietitian approved they're always fresh, never frozen, and Unbelievably, they're ready to go in just two minutes. You've got more than 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. That's not including any of the 60 plus add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. That's right, no dishes. And they're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime, like if you decide to go on vacation or something. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com infamous50 and use code infamous50 to get 50% off. That's code infamous50 at factormeals.com infamous50 to get 50% off. This is Infamous from Campside Media. So who is Vince McMahon? Tell us who he is. Vince McMahon. Where do we start? <laughs> he, um, his father was an old professional wrestling boss. He had a territory. Mm. And there were all these regional bosses. Right. So mm-hmm. Vince's dad had Madison Square Garden. Oh, wow. That's pretty big. He though. was the New York territory. Okay. He might have been the full Northeast. So Vince comes into the mix as... An announcer at first. Well, he's well, there was a bunch before that. Vince kind of wanted to be a part of the business. His dad sent him to Bangor, Maine, to run one of the outfits there. <laughs> Vince ran an arena, like a, like in a, a hockey rink. Oh, okay, not wrestling. Not <laughs> wrestling. Also hockey. Something else. Also so, violent. Yeah, he loves violence <laughs> in us in tight quarters. Yeah. Uh, he was doing he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was promoting evil Knievel jumps over canyons. Mm-hmm. Whoa. He was in the promotion mix, right. but his dad was still running this territory. There's territories all over the country. What Vince ultimately did was he unified the territories. Mm-hmm. He took over his dad's Northeast Territory. 
And then he unified all the territories. I think everybody was pretty ticked off about it. Mm -hmm. People tell stories about how his dad died with nobody at his bedside Mm. because all of his old friends were seething that his son Mm -hmm. had gotten one over on them and kind of squashed their, what they had going on with these territories. And so this is now leading up into the 80s. Exactly. And then, you know, basically people like me are growing up watching this. And now here for some men in tights, (laughs) fake killing each other. That's right. You know, and you would just... My parents were not fans, and they would always try to come and turn it off. But it's candy for a little kid, oh, you know? Yeah. Adults in crazy get-ups. And these very easy to understand. Not to put down your writing prowess, <laughs> but, like, pretty easy to understand. By design. And then, you know, I remember that Vince would come out in his little suit. So he's like the Lorne Michaels. Well, maybe he's more than that because he's actually a character. When he first took the reins of the company himself, he was actually on screen hiding in plain sight. As the owner, he was an mm-hmm. announcer. He put himself in the background. Yeah. He would even do things like I, I heard he would dig little trenches so that he would stand in a little trench so that the guys he was talking to seem bigger. Oh, my God. Because he, really... he always did seem very small. Yeah. Oh, well, that all changed. Right. So in the in the 90s, after he'd been very much a background player for, you know, seven years or so, he had this big scandal where he was accused of distributing steroids to his wrestlers. Did the biggest star in pro wrestling get to the top by using dangerous drugs? The latest to be accused has been Hulk Hogan in a trial over a doctor's distribution of steroids. The selling of drugs has gone on for 15 years in the World Wrestling Federation. Very good. Uh, witnessed and condoned while he sold steroids, while he sold barbiturates, downers and uppers to every yeah. wrestler who have yeah. wanted them. And that was true? <laughs> well, he was he was, he was not acquitted? he was acquitted. <laughs> okay, he was acquitted. So yeah, because wrestlers, I mean, they definitely don't take steroids. Like, there's one thing we know about God, these no. guys. I'll they say this: I never, I never saw it as the day is long. I'll say yeah. this: the, the guys that I saw, men and women, again, they they worked out like absolute machines. Right, right, right. And there are little tricks to make yourself appear a little more dazzling on screen. One of my favorite things when I first started working there, you know, it's such a tiny, tiny thing, but right before they go out, right as their music hits and the curtain shifts and they walk out on that ramp, they do like 10 push-ups real quick. Oh, wow. And they got a spray bottle of water <laughs> just to kind of like glisten a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, You know, it's the little... <laughs> Make old... their veins pop out and their biceps. After that, he comes back to, to TV basically with a vengeance. And all of a sudden, he's this big character. He's Mr. McMahon. Mm. This swaggering, besuited tyrant who's firing people left and right. The chairman of the WWE, Mr. McMahon. And then that's so that was really the birth out of this steroid quagmire came his real character that he's known for. He's kind of a demonic warlord asshole corporate boss. Right. He's got, you know, he's got no emotions. There's nothing that he won't do. Mr. McMahon cannot call himself a father. Mr. McMahon cannot call himself a husband. And look at the arrogance. This man is going into a battle. And I quit no hold for battle against his own daughter. He fought his daughter, Stephanie, in the ring. It's not like she won. Mm. The match ended with him choking her out with a pipe. What? But not really. But not really. <laughs>
I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Payne, and I'm here to tell you that we're back with a brand new season of Up and Vanished, called Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun. In this newest season of Up and Vanished, I'm investigating an unsolved missing persons case in Nome, Alaska, on the edge of the Arctic Circle. Florence Okpialik, an Alaska native, was last seen on August 31st, 2020, and I've spent the last year in Alaska trying to find out what happened to her, putting myself in the most dangerous positions I've ever been in. You don't want to miss this brand new season of Up and Vanished. It is by far the most intense investigation I've ever been a part of. From Tinderfoot TV, Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun is available right now. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Infamous from Campside Media. Right, okay. So tell me about his family, because of course that becomes uh, more and more important as his actual business scandal evolves, which we'll talk about. So. So he's got a daughter. He's got two daughters or He's got a, a daughter and a son. Shane is the Shane is his oldest. Mm-hmm. Shane was a wrestler as well. Shane's got his own reputation in the ring is kind of uh, like a, a wild man. Like he does these like jumps off of like 90 foot towers. Right. But he's not really a wrestler's wrestler. Okay. So there's Shane and then there's Stephanie. Stephanie was a little bit more plugged in into the storylines because she ultimately married Triple H. Who's that? Paul Vec, <laughs> aka Hunter Hearst Helmsley, aka Triple H. <laughs> what? There is only one. He's a big he kinda looks like he's got a Fabio type. Right. He's got a Fabio, but he also has a beard. He's Fabio with a beard. Anyways, Triple H and Stephanie, they had an on-screen in-ring romance. Mm. And it turned into a, I'm actually not sure on the, you know, other people will know, on the Genesis, the chicken and the egg here. But I think that is what ultimately led to their real-life romance. And they're still married. They have kids. Hunter runs, Hunter, see, I'm calling him by his character name. (laughs) He ran the creative. He runs it now. He was instrumental in it, I should say, when I was there. But this is a guy who's, you know, who's who's running the big part of this billion dollar corporate operation. And we're still calling him by his character name. But OK, but we're also not mentioning Linda McMahon, who's oh, well, the Linda. wife. OK, we got to get it. Let's into get her. into Linda. Sure. I mean, I've never met Linda. <laughs> Linda had minimal participation in the storylines. Mm-hmm. There was one famous storyline where Linda was God. She was a something had happened to her and she had been rendered incapacitated. And she was kind of wheeled around. I mean, this is upsetting, early 2000s. She's being wheeled around in a wheelchair, kind of drooling out of the side of her mouth. Mm -hmm. And Vince would wheel her around while making out with other, with wrestlers right in front of her (gasps) to the chagrin of their kids that are watching. Yeah. I mean, it's all in pretty (laughs) poor taste. But that's, you know, that's pro wrestling. There's nowhere they won't go. But Linda, 
who was a part of that storyline and would appear occasionally in those types of storylines. Linda ultimately was in Donald Trump's cabinet as the secretary of small business. Thank you very much. Linda McMahon has done an incredible job. Secretary of uh, Small Businesses Administration. So she she started running as a Republican, right? That was That's like right. way before that. I believe, did she run for state? Did she run for Senate? She ran for Senate. She ran for Senate. Yeah, in Connecticut as a Republican. So, but basically they're married, but he is really just cheating on her right and left as far as we can tell. And, <laughs> and way, way worse than that. Well, allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly okay, yes. tell us about the allegations that will ultimately bring him down or will they? Well, that's the thing. Can yeah. you really ever bring Vince McMahon down? <laughs> he recently, within the past couple of years, Vince, in a very surprising moment, stepped down over Twitter. And this is a guy who people thought would die in the ring. Mm. This is a guy who people thought, you know, he, he, he bled for his baby that he created, the WWF, WWE. But then he just retired unceremoniously over Twitter, I think in 2022, but it had been because there were these allegations brewing that Vince had been making hush money payments with company money. McMahon forced to step back from his role as chairman and CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, while the company's board investigates misconduct claims against him. WWE founder Vince McMahon has stepped away from wrestling as the board of the company investigates a $3 million payment made to a former employee with whom he allegedly had an affair. Okay, so the, the first female referee demanded $11.75 million in damages for an alleged rape, right? Yes. Um, looks like there was a settlement for that. There was also a $7.5 million settlement in 2018 with a former wrestler who said that he coerced her into giving him oral sex. And a 2022 agreement to a former WWE employee with whom he allegedly had an affair. He paid her, we think, $3 million is all from the Wall Street Journal. It was, it was a huge scandal. And Vince ultimately left because of that. He only Before he left, I mean, this is classic Vince McMahon showmanship, maybe not the appropriate word, but I remember where the allegations had just been published and there was a special announcement that Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, was going to appear on that night's episode of SmackDown. Now, this is an era where, he, you know, he hasn't appeared regularly on television for 10 years. Yeah. So anytime he's on, it's special. Mm-hmm. Was he going to address the allegations? Right. My God, you know, and yeah. he was probably in some, who knows where he was that night, Duluth right. or some, you know, and so he's coming out and people, people tune in. Right. I watched. What's he going <laughs> to What's he going to say? He's going to address this head on? Yeah. There he comes. His, his music hits. What's his music? It's uh, God, no no that's what it is. No chance. <laughs> no chance in hell. It's like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so his music comes on. Oh, there was a stretch. When I was yeah. working there, I used to go on walks and to like get in the writing zone, I would listen to, <laughs> oh to No Chance on, on repeat. It's psychotic. It's psychotic. <laughs> so he comes out, music hits, he grabs the mic, and all he says is, Welcome to SmackDown. It was basically a big ruse to get everybody to watch. Oh, so then he basically he he says, you know, on Twitter, it's seventy-seven time for me to retire. Thank you, WWE Universe. Then, now, forever, together. Yeah. And he gives it over to his daughter and to Triple H. Vince stepped away. 
Mm. But he retained some involvement. I believe he was still on the board. People in the know, people who had been watching for a long time, had a hard time believing he was fully going to fully going to go go away. I think there were a lot of conspiracy theories about, oh, he's still, you know, puppeteering so and so and he's you'll never get him away. And then sure enough, he did ultimately return, I think, you know, less than a year later. Here's the thing that you have to remember about this guy that's insane. This is somebody who was embroiled in a in a in horrifying allegations, a really disturbing scandal and he comes back, and I'm pretty sure the stock price, publicly traded company, the stock price surged. Because mm, people just wanted him back. Because people just, you know, yeah. they, they want him back. They need him. But then Endeavor steps in, and they decide they're going to try to do a sale of the company, and they need the returning king That's to right. make it a going concern, basically. He stepped in before the Endeavor piece. They were ultimately who bought the company. Okay. And now they've got this joint company called TKO, they've been combined with the UFC. A multi-billion dollar deal combining WWE and UFC to create a new $21 billion company. The announcement comes months after Vince McMahon returned to the company. Those guys are really out to kill each other for real. They're not doing choreographed dances. No, no. They're doing, it's a different like, dance. Real. So, so they've merged. But like, is wrestling still a pop culture touchstone? Well... It lives in its own very specific universe. Mm -hmm. There's, but here's the thing to remember about wrestling. Still, to this day, these episodes that we were writing, I felt like no, nobody I knew was watching wrestling. Mm -hmm. Nobody, other than my mom, God bless her. <laughs> in this era, since in the kind of last, I don't know, 10 years, it's called the, the PG era. Mm. So you may not watch it. People that we know may not watch it, but it's huge with families. It's got a huge... Audience with kids. Mm -hmm. They sell a lot of toys. Right. Sell a lot right, of action okay. figures. Okay. So it, it still has a huge audience. They still get massive TV contracts. I mean, millions of people were watching the episodes of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Right, right, Millions. Right. And they sell out WrestleMania. God, you know, I don't know how many people go to this thing. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane. They're packing these huge stadiums in Dallas, in New York. Anyways, there's a it's still there's still a rabid fan base, right? But it lives kind of a little bit quarantined off of the the zeitgeist. I think in some ways they've they're getting closer to pop culture, to kind of pop culture involvement now than they have been in a long time. Like Bad Bunny is a is is a wrestler. He is. He's a fantastic wrestler. <laughs> Bad Bunny, Logan Paul, not people who oh. I necessarily am trying to, you know, have a meal with. Right, right, uh, right. But they're big, big personalities in the culture. Yeah. And these people are now are wrestling. Right, It just right, kind of right. shows you they're kind of always trying to keep the original WrestleMania group. Muhammad Ali, I think, was a referee. Mm -hmm. Liberace was the timekeeper. Yeah. They've always tried to... Have that little dance. It's all yeah, about yeah, dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That little dance it's with celebrity and Hollywood. Thank you so much, Anthony Pacillo, for sharing your stories of your gentlemanly past as a wrestling creative mind. Much appreciated. Oh, thanks for having me. The Rock spoke to me for a Forbes magazine feature where some of this reporting appeared. FYI, Vince McMahon has denied the alleged rape of the first female referee and declined to comment on the other settlements. We wanted to share this WWE story with you because wrestling's one of the odder aspects of American pop culture. 
And next time on Infamous, we're talking about a very different set of half-naked stars, the Victoria's Secret Angels. Specifically, we're diving into a story about what took down Victoria's Secret and its angels. And it involves Jeffrey Epstein, changing beauty standards, and the death of America's malls. Welcome to the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Victoria's Secret has become part of the very fabric of our culture. <laughs> She's a Victoria's Secret cover girl. She's a smoking hot supermodel. What's sexy to some person may be trashy to somebody else. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.